Okay, uh, you want to stand up if you stretch a little bit? <laughs> well, we won't get over everything, but we'll try. Right now, we're going to talk about establishing. And actually, as I said, what is establishing? Establishing in my mind begins when now I have a young Christian who really wants to grow. Alright, he, he's there, he's available, he, he's teachable, he really wants to grow. Okay? And uh, of course, it is not black and white but uh, basically this is it this is a, there's a guy now who is willing to give me attention and give me time so that I can serve him alright then we begin establishing alright now usually if you look at the whole process that I draw out just now okay in our layman ministry in Hong Kong we sort of have five big areas to categorize all that we do with them all right now this is outside the relationship the relationship goes on all the time we develop the relationship we try to take holidays together you know what i mean as uh, we always say don't do anything alone if you can do it together okay so but there are five categories of stuff which i'll write down now five when i was medical school i have a professor who tells me any list there's more than five don't try to remember so i stick to five okay number one Okay, again I say number one is the basics and I will go back to this a bit later, alright? But basically when you come to establishing, you try to structure the basics, not just experience. Not just experiencing the basics for him, but to structure it for him. And I will explain it a bit later, alright? But number two, and this is very important, we go through with them what we call issues. Or sometimes we call it stabilizing issues. Now let me explain what it is. Well, there are many things in life that if you don't look after it, you will take up so much of your time and attention that you cannot grow. And it differs with different people's group, different culture, and uh, different profession. Alright? And if you want to have a successful ministry where you are, whatever group you are involved in, you have to identify accurately these issues. Okay? Now I believe that the navigators and the campus crusade and so on are so successful in university. It's because they have identified these issues. For instance, if you go to a navigator college camp, they will always talk about what they call BGR, boy-girl relationship. They will talk about uh, how to study, alright? <laughs> they will talk about putting the law first over their books. Okay? And by and large, in America, and even in, in my country, college students are pretty homogeneous. And once they have identified those issues, they were able to really help a large number of people. Okay? Now, let me tell you this. I believe Walt Hendrickson is a master at this. You know? And one of the reasons I think Walt and men like Winston is, is, having, is able to attract 
a bunch of businessmen around them is because they have identified some of these issues. You know, things like uh, why go to work, you know, uh, le leisure, <laughs> whatever it is, and uh, things like that in American culture. You know, uh, yoking, uh, you know, being entangled, and so on and so on. All right? Now, it differs with different cultures. In my country, for instance, one of them is a family. Okay? By family, I don't mean wife. In America, when you say family, it's your wife and children. Now, in our culture, family means father, mother, you know, mother-in-law, you know, we are more complex. All right? Things like that. Now, you've got to identify those issues, what we call stabilizing issues, with the people you are working with. Now, this is one area that you find that if you read books on follow-up, or go to causes, they seldom touch on it. But this form a large part when you help men. Alright? If you're not sitting down, spending hours just talking about these issues, studying the Bible, what, has, what it has got to say about these issues, then you're not helping him. Alright? Now, as you know, for some of you guys, some of you men, when you help some young Christian or another brother, you may spend the first six months, all you do is help him in his marriage. That's all you do. Pray with him, talk to him, go through the issues, how to deal with your wife. Now that, then you're doing well because you're identifying the issues. There's one guy that I used to help a businessman and nearly, for nearly three to four months, I see him every week. I go to his office and his business was bad. And all I did with him almost was we pray over his business. And I share some scriptures on how you should react in such a situation. Every time. We just go through it time and time again. And then uh, after a couple of months, his business improved. Then we were able to get on other stuff. Alright? So this is very important. You must spend hours on it. Identify accurately and spend hours on it. The issues, what are they? I don't know. Colorado Springs, what are the issues? Uh, you know, climate too good. <laughs> you know, uh, your land, there's too many land, I don't know. <laughs> but you've got to identify the issues that are bothering the average non-Christian and the average person in the street or in your profession. What, what is it? What questions are they asking? You know, what bothers them? Now, you've got to have answers. And you've got to give them answers from the Word of God. That's very important. Now, does that make sense? This is very important. You don't have this, you know, you have all those packages, you won't make it. Okay? Now, thirdly, you can call it whatever you like, ministry skills. And basically there are three categories, as far as we are concerned, because there are three basic skills or three basic gifts for a ministry to function properly. One is leadership. You can find this in uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse, let's see. Put it somewhere. Second Timothy one fifteen, I think, where Paul says, "I'm both an apostle, a teacher, and a preacher." The three basic gifts. Look at the Bible. <laughs> eleven. eleven, right? Second Timothy one eleven. All right. 
Now, by any way, first of all, you need to teach teaching. Skills on teaching. And you could just be knowing how to follow up, that's all. No big deal. Then uh, skills on leadership. And lastly, skills on evangelism. Alright? But we'll deal with this a bit later. Number four, besides ministry skills, Alright, number four is character. And lastly, number five is vision. Character. Now, let me explain a little bit about character. You will find that normally when a Christian worker or a Christian layman is not successful in the ministry, somebody complains about them. Or somebody come to you and complain about a certain Christian worker. You will find that usually it's because he has some character defect, isn't it? You say, oh, so and so, this, this staff worker, he's no good. Why? He's, either he's, he's lazy or, or he, he has a pride problem. You know what I mean? Now, very seldom you get guys coming to you and complain about someone because he doesn't have enough knowledge. He hasn't read strong systematic theology. You know? You seldom have that, right? It's usually some character defect. Okay? And normally, if you look in your own life, you will find that there's only a few character defects that can stumble you. You just got to work on it. Now, when I say character, all I'm saying is, I will try to help a man to identify those few defects and then help him to work on it. Okay? That's all I can do. I mean, what else can I do? <laughs> you see, I don't think there's such a thing as character training. You know, there are some people who does that, you know, but how do you learn humility? Read a book, give him 10 verses to study. Now, all I think I can do is, if I can help a man to identify that that's his problem, you know, and then be willing to work with him. Because when he has that problem, he will have it for the rest of his life. You know, it's not going to end. At least now he knows, that's all, Okay. But if you don't help him in that one or two area, you will find that you will be that particular one and two area that will stumble him, usually. And that's what we mean by character. Or that's what I mean, at least. Alright? Now, vision. As you know, vision is knowing clearly what God has got to say. You know? Knowing clearly what God has got to say you should do. Okay? And I think for those of you who hang around men like Wall and Len and so on, you know, they have, these men have a certain mindset, you know. For instance, things like they believe strongly in the layman ministry. They believe uh, strongly that how the ministry should look like. And this is vision. Alright, if a guy doesn't have vision, you will find that he doesn't know what to do. If a guy doesn't have vision, you will find that usually his ministry is sort of aimless. And this is another area we try to teach men. Alright. Now, but if you don't understand what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter because I just want to touch on this right now. This is the most important part in establishing. In fact, in establishing, I would say one and two are the most important. Okay? Now, for the issues, you do it all the time. You even do it in initial follow-up. All the time. Whenever it crops up, you do it. Alright? Now, if you look at Jesus' life, for instance, you'll find that there was not a single time that when the disciples asked Jesus a question, Jesus says, I'm not going to answer it. Can you, can you think of a single incident? In fact, if you look at the Gospels, 
Many of those discourses is because the disciples ask the question. Teach us how to pray. When will these things be? And then Jesus answered. Alright? Now, because when a person asks a question, that's the best time to deal with it. I stay in walks for one, one year, approximately. Less than that. And I think most of our time is spent in answering my questions. You know, we spend hours, sometimes late into the night. And you know, I didn't know at the time, but when Walt answered my questions late into the night, it's a big sacrifice for him. <laughs> you know, he goes to bed real early, right? <laughs> but when I ask a question, Walt will sit there and then we'll talk about it, see? Okay, so issues goes on all the time. If you're not dealing with the issues, you know, you're not doing well. You've got to deal with those issues, alright? It takes a large part of your follow-up, okay? Now, what I want to spend the rest of our time is talk about these basics. What do we mean by structuring the basics? Okay? Now remember, when we were talking about initial follow-up, it was experiencing the basics. Okay? Now we want to talk about structuring the basics. Alright, now, suddenly you have this guy who wants to grow. Alright? He's now excited, he felt great to be a Christian, and he wants to grow, he's on your back. Now normally at this stage, what I do with him is, I say, you know, would you like to really be a confident disciple? You know, a confident disciple. That means, if someone come to you and I want to know Christ, you know how to lead him to Christ. If someone come to you and, uh, and he wants to know how to pray, you know how to pray. You see, you are confident on the basics of Christian living. You know, now I find that that is pretty attractive. Not only for this young Christian, but even for all Christians in the church. You know, there are many Christians in the church who are not confident disciples. Isn't that true? They don't know. Boy, if someone comes to them and want to know Christ, they are desperate. They don't know how to lead them to Christ. You know? If someone wants to sort of uh, talk about faith, they don't know what is faith. Okay? So normally what I do to these men is I say, if you really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the best area to start are the basics. And if you are willing, I am willing to give my time to go through with you so that at the end of it, at least you can confidently say, I know what are the basics of the Christian life. Will you like that? Alright, now I find that that's pretty attractive for many people. Okay, they say, sure, let's do that, see? And I tell them about this, I say, now look, this is what we do. You go home and empty your mind of all prejudices you have on, the Christi on Christianity. Take it all out, you know? Now you will find that you have a lot of beliefs in Christianity. And many of them, if you analyze it carefully, is there because you heard someone say it. You know what I mean? For instance, uh, you believe in assurance of salvation. Why? Because someone said it. Your pastor said it and so on. Now there's not, nothing wrong with that, alright? Nothing wrong with that. Except that when it's someone who says it, and it's not a conviction, it's not going to last. When a storm comes, it will be over. Alright? Now, I usually illustrate this way. I say, for instance, if I come to you right now and I say, Hey gang, I'm a doctor. Believe me. You know? Maybe hard to believe, but I'm a doctor. Now, and let me advise you, don't smoke. In fact, it's bad for a Christian to smoke. In fact, let me tell you, God says don't smoke. Alright? Now, you may believe me, you may not. But suppose right now God comes down. You know, God Himself. Almighty God. God comes down. And God says, Don't smoke! <laughs> right here. Now imagine, God really comes down. 
And then God says to you right in the eye, don't smoke. Now at least tonight, you won't dare to touch a cigarette. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay now, that's what I want the young, this young disciple to do. I want him to start building his basics from scratch. From what God says. Okay? So uh, what, I, what we do is, I say, now look, these are the basics. Usually I, I may give him the list because at this stage he doesn't know better. Alright? But if he disagrees with me, great, no problem. You see? Now also at this stage, he may come and say, give me the manual. And again I say to him, there's no manual. But I'll help you to write yours. Okay? Now, so what do we do? Well, so I say, I tell you what, why don't we go through some studies together first of all and find out from the Bible what exactly the Bible did say about some of these things. Not what the pastor say, not what Walt Hendrickson says, not what any of these great men say, not what Lawrence Sandy says, but what the Bible says. Fair enough? Okay, so they agree, they all like it, see? So what we do is, and it's best if you have a group, what we do is we start structuring the basics. Now first of all, we take one of these basics that they think is most needful for them at a time. Okay? It doesn't have to be in order. Some of them say, let's do a Bible study. Great, let's do Bible study. Alright? And then in Bible study, I've got about 10 passages of scriptures on Bible study in the Bible. You can easily find, get a concordance or, or let them bring it up. But choose about 10 passages of scriptures. And first of all, what we do is, we do what we call a conviction Bible study. Now, so it could well be in your regular Bible study that you're already having. Except you will spend the next, usually it takes about two years. You will spend the next two years on structuring the basics. Alright? And as I said, they are going to blank their mind. And as I tell these guys, the guys, study it. If at the end you are convinced the Bible says don't have a quiet time, then don't have a quiet time. Alright? Let God tell you. Okay? Form your own convictions. Alright? So anyway, we look up this, we then bring up those 10 passages of scriptures, and this is what I ask them to do. You can do it any way you like, by the way. Huh? But this is what I ask them to do. I say, first of all, look at every verse. And for every verse, sort of have two columns. Write down on one side, your blessings. Now this is easy. Many Christians can get blessings just like that. Alright? But on the other column, write down principles. Now what do we mean by principles? Principle means it applies to everybody. Now it could be the same thing, alright? It could be, this verse tells me that I ought to, you know, praise God in the morning. And the principle is also, you should praise God in the morning. But make sure that you write it down there as a principle only if you are sure that the Bible says it. You follow me? So they start filling this in, the principles, alright? And the blessings, whatever they write, see? So that's the verse. See, it could be, if it's a quiet time, it could be, for instance, uh, um, Mark 1, 35. So they write it down. Blessings, principles. And then the next verse and so on. Now, they take time to do it, see? Now, if you don't have time, then go, go slowly. Five verses a week, maybe. Five verses in one week. So, at the end of the study, they will have a list of blessings and a list of principles. Alright? Now, then I ask them to do several things. Number one, I ask them to make a summary. And by summary, I mean classifying these principles. Alright? 
Now one of the things they always should write is why? If it's a quiet time, why should I do a quiet time? From these principles. Now it could very well be coming back with the same reasons. But now they can put a verse next to it. You follow me? They can put a verse next to it. Okay? Now besides the why, they can then outline as I tell them, I say, now look, do a definitive study. Of course, it's not possible. But I challenge them to do a definitive study so that at the end, they will have a nice summary that they can teach in Bible school. Okay? And the beauty of it is everything is from the Bible. It's not some, some view, some, uh, some sermon from someone else, but it is principles from the Bible on that particular basics. Okay? Now, Oh, sorry. Use Mark one thirty five as an example. What what is that? Or is that Matthew? Mark one thirty five on a quiet time. It can be any verse, you see. Right. So first of all you go and this is a quiet time, you pick up about ten verses on the quiet time. Right. Then usually what I do is I get in the Bible study. Okay, so the blessing in this example would be what? I Oh, okay. Well the verse says Jesus getting up a great while before day, you know? And so he, a blessing for him could be he should get up, you know, he should get up and have a quiet time, see? Now, if he should think that that is a principle, go write it down as a principle. But the principle, the difference of the principle and the blessing is, the principle is something that he believes the Bible says he should apply to everybody. Okay? Now, it's not that black and white, alright, sometimes. And I like it loose, doesn't matter, you know. If he says something that I don't think is a principle, it's just a blessing, I keep quiet, see? <laughs> I let him get away with it, see? You know what I mean? But the important thing is, he is not exposed to the pure word of God on that particular subject. And then his convictions are now built not on what I say, but on what the Bible says. Okay? Now, again, let me tell you, this only applies to those guys who really want to grow. You can't do this on a young Christian. Okay? You guys may be like you all, see? Okay? Or guys that even for some guys who have been in church for some time, two, three years, or even ten years, they may like it, see? Because they have never gone across the Bible and see what the Bible has got to say on these basics. Okay? Alright, so, then, after the summary, what I normally do is, I ask them to do a conviction statement. Now, conviction changes all the time. Right? It changes. I mean, by changes, I mean it usually gets deeper. Give me a for instance. Do you believe that you are going to heaven when you accept Christ? I hope so. <laughs> or five years ago? Do you believe? Okay, you believe. Do you believe that now? Sure you believe. Is it deeper now? Well, it better be, right? <laughs> okay? Or another question, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God two years ago? I hope so. How about now? Yeah, you sure do. Is it deeper? I hope so. <laughs> conviction should change. Now, the conviction statement is, as a result of this study, write down what is the key thing that really impressed you. What is the main gist of conviction that really hits you this time? Now the conviction statement is just so that you sort of get what you want from the study. Sort of harvest it for this time, alright? Now you will find that two years later when you do the same study, your statement may be different. That's alright. It should be. <laughs> you know? For instance, the quiet time could be, 
you now realize after the study that God really yearns to meet with me. That God longs to meet with me. And that really hits you. Write that down. Just one statement. Okay? Now, then I ask them to make an application. Okay? And as you know, application should be realistic, should be real, should be checkable if possible. Right? Make an application. Based on the conviction statement or whatever. Then lastly, now lastly what I do is teaching program. What I ask them to do is based on your study, based on your experience, try to work out what you would do when you teach someone else these basics. Okay? For instance, I just mentioned the quiet time. I normally tell them why I have a simple method. I try to teach worship. I try to teach confession. I usually also teach discipline in the quiet time. You know? I, things like that. See? Now that doesn't mean you have to teach them everything when you teach someone else. But you have a list of things you write down you would like to teach. And you pick whatever you want. Okay? Now if they cannot produce that, if they cannot produce that teaching math program, then you can always get someone else to come and share the study when it comes to that part. You know what I mean? Now the navigators are pretty good at that. <laughs> so when it comes to that, get the navigators in. Okay? But I will not get the navigators in all the time because I want them to build their own conviction. Alright? You see? So they can pick and choose. They can pick any pack packages they want. They, for instance, they know of a very good book that helped them. Then I say, put it there. Put it in your teaching program. Okay? Or, they, several verses really impact them in their own pilgrimage. Put it there. You see? Now, so, the whole thing for certain basics, the whole process may take a month. Okay? And in that month, as I do with this man, as I meet him for man-to-man -man time, we talk about it. I say, what are some of your problems in this area? You know, how can I help you? And he may admit to me, he say, you know, Ciro, I, basically I'm very ill-disciplined. You know, I need help. Then I help him. Or he may say, you know, actually to be honest, I, I really do not know how to, how to worship. You've got to help me. So I help him. You see? So in the whole process as we study, I begin to use my life to try to influence it. Alright, now, the whole thing takes about two years, mind you. <laughs> and we always try to apply. For instance, uh, if, we, if we do prayer, we'll, we'll have some time of prayer together. I may say, hey, next week uh, we'll, we'll cancel the Bible study. What we'll do is, why don't we go somewhere and spend two hours in prayer? Want to try that? Now they say, yeah, man, we never pray two hours. We want to do two hours, you know? <laughs> you see? Let's do it. So we go off, go to some park somewhere and pray for two hours. You follow me? So you, you, you sort of, the whole program should be, should be sort of loose, in a way easy, but you get into the Word and try to get him to practice it. It takes two years, alright? Now, of course, take and give and take. But usually, for me, I will, it takes two years to bring them through this. Now, by the end of it, at the end of it, let's look at the results. This man would have gone through all important scriptures on these important basic areas. Okay? And hopefully the conviction is based on the Bible. Right, number two, they will have a file that is indispensable you know, for them. A great tool, you see, their own manual. That's it, they got a manual now. 
For instance, uh, someone come to them and say, hey, what do you think about giving? He just opened a file, that's it. He got all the points, the summary, you know, he has got a fantastic, you know, pile of notes for himself. Alright? And he got also a good tool to use. You see? You know, he has all these things. And usually when I finish, I ask someone, sometimes I ask this man, I say, hey, do you feel that you're more confident now to live the Christian life, now that we have gone through all this? And inevitably, I get the answer, yes. You see? Alright, now, that's what I mean by structuring the basics. Okay? We just go through with them. Now, in the meantime, as you disciple people, you're not only doing this. Issues will crop up, you have to deal with it. But you bring them through this program. And as I say, I don't write the manual for them. They write the manual. I teach them. I, I, I work with them. So that at the end, they have enough scriptures, enough exposure to write their own manual. Okay? Now, so this is what we mean by structuring the basics. Well, you want to discuss this? Any questions? Yes. So you let them pick it. I'll let them pick it. Okay. You know, and uh, let them develop it. Now, at the end of it, they may come out with something I don't like. Then, that's too bad. <laughs> See, that's the danger of letting men discover it for themselves. You know, not danger. You know, they may not end up with the same conclusions. <laughs> you see? Now, and that's why in our ministry in Hong Kong, we don't have, we don't have one standard method. You know, some, we have this four-step Bible study, for instance, in John Gospel, and then you go to some other ministry, they do it differently. Just, it's sort of still there, but it's totally different. Because we encourage men to develop themselves, you see. You know? Yes, please. Well, I find that I can only, I usually spend time with about, five, six that I can spend intensively. Now these, these are not ordinary Christians. These are men whom you have sort of do some initial follow-up and now they have proven, that they have shown to you that they are faithful. There's a selection process whereby they selected themselves and they want to do it, see? Now, of course, once in a while you may have someone there that you're not sure but you're giving them the benefit of a doubt. But these are only men that really are committed. If not, you see, you can never force people to grow. It will be a futile effort. You can only help people who wants to grow. That's all. You want to grow to grow. It's impossible. I don't know. Maybe some of you can, but we, we find we can't. <laughs> Alright? So with this, we find that there's a lot of flexibility. They get into the world, they decide themselves, and they do whatever they want. Yeah. Now inside all this, there are certain packages we usually try, like to teach. For instance, we have a quiet time method. I have briefly gone through that, you know, but it's, there's more, more to it. And uh, in evangelism, I know, for instance, you do the, the piece of step with God. We teach that, you know, we go through that. And also, as I told you, we have this evangelistic Bible study. Then for Bible study, as I told you, we have certain methods we share. Now, all this comes in during these two years. 
we share with them and we just take it easy we move along and as these guys if they say hey it's kind of too quick you know can we slow down a little bit think about it sure let's slow down a little bit think about it you see or there are certain topics they say we just haven't got a handle on it so we may stop and invite a speaker to come you see to share or someone who has experience to share with them all right now the establishing process in our ministry basically involves this as far as the basics are concerned okay all right any any other comments Scripture memory. Scripture memory. Scripture memory. Yeah. What you say you don't, aren't sure you read more scripture? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure that scripture memory is a basic, the way that we sort of do it now, word perfect, you know. I think it's quite clear the script is a basic that we should have the word in our lives, you know. Now, I think if you want to have a successful ministry, you must have some mechanism whereby the word is being taught out and people are getting it in. You can use scripture memory or you can use Bible study or whatever. Okay? So I'm not sure it's the basic, the method of scripture memory. It is a method, you know, per se. It's a good method, see? And it helps a lot of people. But I think certain cultures, for instance, doesn't like memory. You know? Then I don't force the issue. But there must be a mechanism for the Word of God to be consumed. You know, central in the ministry, it must be the Word of God. If not, the ministry will not grow. You can use whatever means you can lay your hands on. <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule here, I'm wondering if you're going to go through the uh, developing and the <laughs> Well, I can go through a little bit on the equipping. I'm not sure we have time for the developing. <laughs> Alright, now why don't we just spend the last 15 minutes to talk a little bit about equipping, okay? Now by the way, on this list, sometimes I talk about guidance. Because this seems to be a very common problem. I don't know whether guidance is, is under this list or it should be in the issues, I don't know. Alright? But men like to know what God wants. So I go to the Bible, let them study for themselves, okay? For instance, this book, uh, Friesen, Decision Making and the Will of God may have heard about it and people are confused so we study the word and let them decide see whatever they want okay now by the way in our ministry we have absolutely no commitment to the forms only to the functions you know and because we have no organization in Hong Kong it's easier to do that you know what I mean now forms meaning for instance uh, four steps in the evangelistic Bible study that's a form now we need forms the Lord's Prayer is a form Without form, we cannot express the function. But we have no commitment to the forms. You see, we only have commitment to the function. Because we believe they are biblical. If not, then let's forget it, see. <laughs> let's not do it at all. Okay, so we find that this works very well with laymen. Because they can develop themselves there. Okay, now we'll spend a short time on equipping. And again, in e equipping, that means getting men to be laborers, there are five things. <laughs> okay, five things. Very simple. Now, first of all, 
in helping men to be a laborer, we got to teach them ministry skills. I've mentioned a little bit about it, but obviously you should teach them how to do evangelism. Very important. This, you know, central to the ministry. We've got to lead men to Christ. Now, I find that as I minister to men above 45, there are many things you don't have to teach them. They have got their own system, you know. For instance, uh, leading groups. You know, I just say this is how I do my Bible study, and I don't have to talk about how to lead Bible study groups. They have their own system. And great, you see. So we don't have to teach how to lead. Man, they have got it figured out, see. You know. Now, as far as leadership is concerned, I think there are only two things that are important. One is recruitment. You know, sometimes I have to sort of go through the men on recruitment. How do you recruit? Now, what is recruiting? Recruiting is basically getting a man committed to something he has no commitment before. Okay, it could be to the Lord. Alright, now in fact, that's where we start. You will find that it is impossible to recruit a man to the ministry if he is not committed to the Lord. He is not attracted, you know. Here he is, not a committed Christian, and you talk about discipling, you know. He's not interested. Then you talk about a good, healthy, joyful relationship with the Lord. He's attracted. Or he's challenged. Alright? So I always start with that. You know? Do you want to be a confident disciple? You know, have you, have you sort of tell yourself, man, I have enough of this, of this uh, monkey on my back, this struggle, this, this trying to serve two masters. Once and for all, I'm going to make my Christian life count. Have you ever thought about that? And friend... If you want to do it, I'm willing to give my life to help you. Now, that attracts them. <laughs> okay? We've got to get, recruit men. Okay? For the Lord and for the ministry. Alright? And then, the second thing in leadership, I believe, is important is influencing people. That's all. And the best way to influence them is to serve them. You know? So, I, I, don't, I don't know too much about leadership. I have not read a lot of books. All I know how to do is to recruit them. You know? And they influence them mainly by serving them. Okay? Now, outside of that, when I minister to men above 45, they know more about leadership than me. <laughs> In fact, probably they need to deprogram a little bit because some of their leadership concept is a sort of a not biblical. Alright? So anyway, ministry skills. Okay? And three areas, as I say, teaching, evangelism, and leadership. Alright? Now, teaching is basically follow-up, some of these things which I already said. Okay? Now, second, to produce laborers, vision is very important. Okay? And where we come from, there are several things we always share in vision. For instance, uh, we talk about a great commission, the world. Okay? And of course, for us, we always talk about China. We always talk about Disciple making, like what Lon Stanley says, this kind of thing, we dish it out, see, you know. Well, we always talk about priesthood of believers. And lastly, we talk about the layman's work. Now within this framework, the layman's work, now actually the layman's work very often is just deprogramming, see? There are many men who think that they must, they can only function when there's an institution. You know that? 
You know, if, uh, for instance, there is this church in Hong Kong that owed the bank $70 million. You know? And the bank is going to take it back. And some of our guys in the network were in the church, you see. And they were telling us that there are member, many members in the church is saying, what are we going to do? There's no more church. We are finished. You cannot be a Christian. <laughs> we can't do the ministry. You know what I mean? Now, we've got to just let them know that there's a greater destiny for them. Now, within this framework, they have the freedom to develop their ministry any way they like. We always challenge men to reach new frontiers. You know, unreached groups. Men, they have not heard the word of God. You see, reach out. Missions, very important. Then we ask them, go before God and ask God to tell you what he wants you to do. Okay? But vision is important. A laborer will not be an effective laborer without a vision. Okay? He needs to know. He needs to have some philosophy, some concept. Alright? Now, thirdly, I, we feel it's very important exposure. To have a good labor, you need to expose them. Very important. You know? What do you mean by exposure? Well, he needs to meet other men. Uh, you know, bring them to Hong Kong, for instance. <laughs> you see, help the Hong Kong tourism trade. <laughs> but he needs to be exposed, you see. Bring them to other areas. I mean, for instance, uh, there's a bunch of brothers from Fort Collins. If I have men in Colorado Springs, I will bring them there, see. Let them see. They must be exposed. Okay, talk to other people. Travel together, see other places. They must be exposed to godly men like Hendrickson. You see? One of the things, you know, when Hendrickson came to Hong Kong, one of the, you know, he had meetings and so on, but those are not really the most important. The most important is we gather all our sort of leaders and let walk interact with them. Okay? Now this is where the action is. You need exposure. Alright? Okay? Fourthly, then I give them ministry. Maybe this should come under this. But when it comes to a laborer, there are two things very important for a laborer at this stage. He needs to know what his gifts and calling are. For a disciple, not so important. But when it comes to laboring, he must know what is his gifts and calling. Now, I can take another hour talking about this. But I feel that I need to help him to discover his gifts. Okay? And also his calling. And one of the, one very important ingredient is to give him opportunities, ministry opportunities. Now what do I mean by ministry opportunities? Because if a guy doesn't have a chance to serve, he doesn't know whether he's good at it, right? You see? At least very clear. They say that the gifts are given to a man, you know, 1 Peter 4.10 for instance, to serve the body. So at least one method to discover your gift is, does what I do serve the body? You know, does it serve well? Does it work? Do people get blessed as I do it? Now, how can they know that unless they have a chance? So I try to give them that chance. For instance, in our conferences in Hong Kong, you know, every conference is led by different people. You see, we give them a chance. Of course, when you let people do that, the conference doesn't come out as nice. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. See? Because for us, the man is the most important. Not that things come out nice. 
Alright? We let them speak testimonies. You know? Now, if you, you find that for a standard church, usually a guy doesn't have a chance to, to speak and preach until he's pretty mature. He's an elder, then he preach. Now, not in our ministry. Very early, he, he's asked to talk about the choir time. See? You know what I mean? Very early. In fact, uh, usually most of the time, the, our conferences are usually a bit longer, a couple of days, and, and we'll have a guy like walk speak only once. <laughs> you know? And we let other guys eat so that they can be involved in the exercise of the gifts. Alright? So we give them chance, counseling, whatever. You see, we just let them have the opportunity to, to serve and to discover their gifts. Alright? And lastly, this is very important for a laborer. Laborer is very important. Now, what do I mean by team? Well, he has a band of brothers to work together with. It could be the accountability group we talk about. But as time goes on, he begins to work together with brothers. And there are, as you know, as you work together with men, there are issues involved. Learning to love, learning to submit, you know, uh, learning to cooperate. And as he serves with this surface, I have to talk with him, I have to help him. But if a man cannot learn to work with others, it will be very difficult for him to be an effective laborer for Jesus Christ. Okay? So this is basically what we do. These five things. Alright? Well, I think time is about up. Winston is <laughs> giving me some hand signals.